When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, everybody? Hello, and welcome into Believe in the Dallas Cowboys. Look, Believe is the name of, you know, our partner. Believe in the Cowboys, I suppose, is the title of the show, but it doesn't mean that anybody here actually believes in the Cowboys. It's the title of the show. I, of course, am Jeff Kavanaugh, and this is former Cowboys wide receiver Jesse Holly. Good evening, Jesse. I'm sorry for screwing up the schedule, but we're here now. That's all good. When you get that live money, just make sure you look after a brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm working on it. I'm working on uh, joining the Live Tour. I fired a 101 from the uh, one-ups today, so I'm right on track. It's going to be really soon. We'd like to thank our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, even next season's early NFL futures with training camp right around the corner. Bet Online's opened up their odds for team wins, division futures, of course, the Super Bowl. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome, everybody. What would be your, what would be your price to go to live right now? <sighs> to go play golf? Over there? To do media for, for live. You have a price. Oh, to do media oh, for live. You have to like you would have to like live in Dubai. Man, it's that's so hard because like right now, like I'm comfortable. But like if they told me we'll give you ten million dollars to be here for twelve months, yeah, I'd probably go to the live media tour. Ten million dollars? Yeah. Like I wouldn't do it. I don't think I would do it for a million dollars. I like where I am. I'm happy. I'm good. My bills are paid. Life's good. My mental, health would go, my mental health would go down. I'd be away from my friends and stuff. You would go up. You could fly your French to Dubai. That's true. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I, I, two, two, two or two and a half, maybe. I'd go over there for 12 months. I'd give them 12 months. Yeah. I, for a million, they said, "Hey, you gotta come over here for for a year for a million, and you can't call your mom for a year." I would block her. Oh, Jesse! I would block oh, my mom. Oh, Jesse, Holly! I would block her. Oh, <laughs> Jesse, Holly! I would block her just so she wouldn't attempt to call me. I would block her <laughs> for a whole year. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> is richer. Jeff is richer than Kyler Murray. No, like I don't have. Like I don't have five figures even in a in a banking account at the moment, but like I have income, I spend it, but like I'm okay. I got my house, I got my car, I got stuff. Like if I go over there, I couldn't play volleyball on Tuesday nights. You know, you play sand volleyball every day. What are you talking about? Like, but not with my team in the league. Uh, there, we got league play. Just league play. You could have a nice league in Dubai. You could have the Jeff Kavanaugh, whatever <laughs> Kavanaugh league of six. All the sand in the world in, the, in Dubai is over there. You have you have the best sand volleyball game happening. 
I just talked them into hosting the league games. I'd be like, look, here's the thing. Everybody's got to fly here. Whoever we're playing this week, get on the plane. Uh, we'll see. Kill Gordon, Super Chat, Training Camp Fund. Appreciate you. Will CD be a better receiver when it's all said and done? And if so, by how much? Oh, I guess that's in relation to Amari Cooper because I put Amari Cooper's name in the title. Yeah. Uh, CD Lamb will have a better career than Amari Cooper. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to pull up what Amari Cooper has done so far because I'm going to tell you what. CD's going to have 1,300 yards this year. Amari's never had 1,200. Uh, Amari is already eight years into the league. He has 7,000 yards. CD is two years in the league. is over 2,000. So he is – Amari started about the same as CD. He started with 1,000 and then 1,100. But then injuries and injuries and injuries. And then last year, some injuries. Like, I think Amari's body is beat up and his really, really, really good football is coming to an end. And I think CD's really, really, really good football starts this year. Yes, CD will have a better career than Amari Cooper. Okay. Why do we do this as a society? Not just us, not just people. Like, we do this as a society, right? Like, we we, we have to – Put people against each other? Not even that, but we have to forecast these things out so far. It's like, you know, we do it with Luca. They're like, oh, Luca's – by the time Luca's done, he's going to be a top three player in the NBA. And we don't know – like, we don't know what is going to happen today or tomorrow. Injuries, teams, like, we don't know. Like, and so we do this a lot. We do this projection. I saw a stat today. Do you know how hard it is to generate content if we're not allowed to guess at what's going to happen in the future, well, Jesse? We can't guess. But like, we, why do we have to always go so far? Like, we, we go <laughs> – we go out there. Like we go out there with everything. So let's has- simplify. Let's simplify because this actual question verbatim was: Will he be a better receiver than right. Amari Cooper? And yes, I think and when you, you go at career, if okay, that's my fault. If you take at his peak Amari Cooper and CD Lamb at what you think his peak will be, who will be the better receiver? I will say CD Lamb. Okay. I'm not listen. I'm not arguing you. I'm not arguing. I, I think the same thing. I'm not. I'm. There's no hate here. There's no hate here. I just like always feel like like I said. I saw something today that was talking about uh, what's the kid that the Mav draft, the Hardy kid. Yeah, like 37th overall, but he was the number one high school player in the country a year ago. So this the, the literally the line said, "What will his stat line be in three years?" I'm like, damn. He'll like, either be out of the league. Or he'll be the, or he'll be their ninth man, or he'll be the starting two guard, or I don't. Oh. I'm like, dog, it's year three. The man, it ain't even October yet. He ain't even played. You know what I'm saying? Like he ain't played one NBA game yet. But, but yeah. CD's played two NFL seasons. Like I get it with a 19 year old who hadn't played NBA basketball yet, and like I would even in like baseball, like the Rangers, Jack Leiter, who hasn't played Major League Baseball yet, but like the pedigree is so big that I'm comfortable saying he's gonna kick ass. Like, I'm comfortable with what I know about CD. And I think Amari at his peak was a top 10 wide receiver, never a top five wide receiver. And I think CD at his peak is going to be a top 10 wide receiver and top five. We'll see. Hell, he so, might end up right about in the same spot. I say, so it sounds like they may be neck and neck. It sounds like, and, and, and let me tell you something. It's not a bad career. Like, no. like we think everything has to be like, Yellow jacket. Like, there's a reason there's only a select few people that get a chance to go to camp. That doesn't mean that you're not a success. Like, like, like if um, if if C.D. Lamb never ascends to be the next cowboy to go into the Ring of Honor or go into Hall of Fame, it does not mean he did not have a successful career. 
The wide, to me, the wide receiver position is the one position on the offensive side of the football that requires so many things to go right for you to get your you get your except rock. except when Josh Gordon was in Cleveland. My guy put up like sixteen hundred yards with bums everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but it, it you know it goes. I always call this like the the the, the Paul Millsap stat line, right? Like, oh, Paul Millsap's an all star. He's playing in Utah. I'm like, yeah. Paul Miltaps takes 27 shots a game. So you take 27 shots a game. If he makes half of them, two pointers, that'll be about 20 something points. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you could be the best guy on the worst team and put up the most iconic numbers, but it equates to nothing. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been a Josh Gordon fan for a long time. I thought Josh Gordon, had he been in a different situation and maybe, you know, his, his mental and his, his, all that other stuff that was was in line, he could have been he now he might have been the one who had a yellow jacket because he had the talent to do so. But but there's a lot of determining factors that go into play when you're talking about like you know what I mean? Like imagine Megatron with Aaron Rodgers. Like he would have shattered every record there possibly could have been. Yeah, because Megatron's maybe the biggest freak show in the history of the league. You know what I mean? So it's like there's 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 Randy Moss in Minnesota, and then there's Randy Moss in Oakland, and then there's Randy Moss again in New England. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, Randy Moss in Minnesota was also probably the biggest cheat code of all time because how many different dudes did he send to the Pro Bowl? Culpepper, Jeff George. I feel like there's one more at least that I'm missing. Cunningham. Cunningham, like whoever it was, it was just you pat that bitch three times, throw it as far as you can. I'll do. I'll handle it. Throw it up. Ball come down. He's seven yards away from the defender like this. Like, just, no, I got him. Just throw it. Just throw it. Vance in the super chat wants to know from you, Jesse, fondest Oxnard memories. And he said Jeff would work for Liv if it meant George R.R. Martin would actually finish his books. I'd probably do that. That's a fair trade, yeah, because he ain't going to finish him. He's going to die without finishing him. Fondest Oxnard memories, Jesse. Man, um, so at that time, just one of the years that we were in Oxnard, um, Miles was dating Kim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the rule is, and there's always an exception to the rule, right? Jimmy Johnson family said, everyone gets treats fairly, but everyone doesn't get treated the same. And so you're not supposed to have guests, wink, wink. You're not supposed to have guests in, in y'all's complex. Yeah. And it was always just interesting what friend. Kim was going to bring, like, it's, and it's so hard. It's like you're driving a pink Range Rover. Yeah, of course we missed that pulling up. You know what I'm saying? And it's always like, as guys like myself, you know, Manny Johnson, other guys, you know, bubble guys and guys who are on the low tier, we're horny. We're horny. We're super horny. It's camp. You get those camp eyes. You know, you, you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're looking at anything like, man, she got some cute eyebrows. And then you have Kim Kardashian walk up on on the scene and she brings a friend or two of hers and you just like your horniness now goes through the roof. You just walking around like a humping dog and Miles is in the compound with <laughs> Miles is with Kim Kardashian and and and, and Rose with whoever she's with at the time. You know, it's just so it's like that was one, you know, those are final members. And you can't snitch, right? You don't want to be the guy who snitches. You you know, I, I'm no hater. You know, much people think I'm a hater. I'm no snitch. I'm no hater. But I, I mean, was, Jerry was probably Jerry was probably okay with Kim being there. That's good for business. Absolutely. I mean, okay. you know, 
at that juncture, maybe Jerry might have had, well, you know, Tim might have brought Jerry one or two to come through. You know what I mean? Jerry liked him a little thick, so he might have he might have got a little something, something too. But yeah, uh, like having um, Kim Kardashian, I loved Oxenard, and I was I was I was there at the Cowboys at the time, but we did we did half in San Antonio, then we went to Oxnard. I, I remember one year, no lie, we did we did San Antonio, Oxnard, Hall of Fame, Dallas back to Oxford. It was the most, I'm like, that's when I knew I was like, all right, this is, this is totally, this is totally, this is a, circus. This is a show and this is a circus and we're probably never going to win here, but boy, we're having a bunch of fun this whole, this whole time around. We were, we were rock stars. It was everywhere. But yeah, uh, that was probably one of the fondest memories of being in, uh, in Oxnard. Okay. I'm going to get to the, uh, the most important Cowboys topic of the day, which is that Amari Cooper was on the air with my buddy Donovan on the ticket. And they asked him about CeeDee Lamb and if he's ready to step into the Cowboys, you know, being the number one. And I'm going to read you Amari Cooper's answers or answer. And then you're going to tell me if he's firing shots at people, what he means, and if he's right. Okay. He says, okay. and I quote, CeeDee's been ready. Again, it's just about opportunity. I think if Kellen decides to feature him, He's definitely ready to step up. CD's a playmaker. I'm just reminded of that Vikings game when we were breaking the huddle. He was ready then. He was like, I want this fade. We've all seen what he's been able to do when you throw him the fade. He's been ready. He's going to make the plays when his jersey number is called, and I can't wait to see it happen. Shots fired? Of course. Of course. Absolutely. He hates he hates him some Kellen? Of course he does. Like A lot of people are going to hate Kellen. It's so funny because like CD, so I was just looking at some numbers today. I want to see like, where was he last year on the targets list in the league? And he was 24th in the NFL in targets. And so I just wanted to compare him to all the people in front of him. And if you take what he did with the number of opportunities he had, like there was only two or three guys of the 23 people who were targeted more than him. There's only two or three that had a higher yards per catch. One was Jamar Chase, uh, and I don't remember who the other two were. But he was getting 14 yards per catch, which is more than almost everybody in front of him. Uh, the amount of catches and yards that he got with the targets that he had was on a better track than most of the guys in front of him. And he did miss one game. So in theory, I guess you could say he would have had like eight more targets. But uh, like I think he's going to be a target monster. I mean, you don't, because- you, you don't have to look any further than his own team. Um, he only had like 14 more targets than Dalton Schultz, which to me it goes along the line of coaching malpractice. Is that and, Dak and or Kellen? Is that Kellen or Dak? No, no. See, okay, so I was getting ready to get into that. See, and this is this is where we get into the whole Kellen or Dak situation. But I know what it looks like to be featured, like. In every single offense in America, you can call plays that damn near makes it the ball have to go to that guy. And you know it. Like, you will you can speak in the NFL. I can speak in college. I, you know when you break the huddle when a play is called who is supposed to be getting the ball. And, and, I, and I think the Cowboys try to get away from this thing where it's like we're equal opportunists and – we're spreading the ball around. And sometimes you got to kind of go Aaron Rodgers a little bit and just be like, yo. And this, this is this is the part that I kind of get on Dak about, and I want to see more of the, 
the 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 take control of what's happening, like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Those when they see a matchup, I don't give a damn what we called in the huddle. I see eighty-eight on a guy with an advantage. Hey, we're running this. Check, that's check, where check. that's where Tony was really really good at. Like Tony was really good at. And, and the play that we all most infamous, infamously remember is the Dez no catch, right? And if you go back to that play, that was he the He should have thrown it to Cole, kept milking the clock, but he saw single coverage with 88, and he went, oh, ho, ho, ho. And that was the only time, if you go back and watch the film, the only time that they gave Dez one-on-one coverage. The entire game, they said, nope, we're not giving it to him. And Tony said, I got it. And I am I like this. I don't care who you had out there. I like my guy one on one. And whatever side of the fence that you sit on, catch, no catch, whatever it was, you know, maybe even if Dead did catch it, he was giving Aaron Rodgers the ball back with like three or four minutes left. He was gonna go back down and score again anyway, but whatever. But that that's the part of of, of being a cold-blooded assassin, excuse me, at the quarterback position, that I just want more of Dak to be like, hey, I'm I'm going at this dude seven times in a row. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I'll be in a huddle and call a player and be like, hey, CD, no, you go play Z. Hey, whoever you are playing Z, you're going to go play with CD was playing that because I need this matchup. And and you have to be able to feature your guys more often. And, and when you see guys like Jamar Chase and you see guys like Devontae Adams and you see guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like this, the, the, the Rams won a Super Bowl. And it was basically because they got in that huddle and 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 uh and McVeigh and 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 uh it's quarterback stand I'm drawing a blank. Um Stafford. Stafford was saying, Hey, we're going to number 10. Okay. No what? more yeah. no, no, no more no more pussyfooting around with this other guy, tight end dude who keeps dropping the ball. We're going to number 10, and we're gonna live and die on this drive with going to number 10 all the way down the football field. They knew it. The Bengals, everyone knew it, and it was nothing that you can do. And I think that's what we have to get more of from our offensive coordinator, from our quarterback, to get guys like C.D. Lamb the football at any cost. So I saw these uh, I saw these numbers. Like, I'm going to take it back to the 49er game, because like I do think that Dak, when he sees a matchup, will go at it, especially if it's man coverage. Because I remember the 49er game, the one time they blitzed, he went, oh, hell yes, and he threw the slot fade to Amari Cooper for a touchdown. Like, thank you. You want to play man coverage on Amari? Bombs away. Um, but the one thing about Cooper Cup that is so wild is that I saw numbers on this the other day, and amongst wide receivers in the NFL, he was the guy most often in the league, by far, covered by a linebacker. So, like, Sean McVay is designing his entire offense. Like, you know who my best guy is, and I'm still going to find a way. Right. But you're going to have an inferior cover guy on him. And we're going to target him 200 times this year. I think he had like 196 targets. And in the 49er game, that's what like Coop did score from the slot. And most of the game, it was Cedric Wilson in the slot and Dalton Schultz in the slot or at tight end. And you knew that was what was going to be open because San Francisco was playing conservative. Rush four, drop seven. The guys who were going to have a chance to eat were going to be the guys on the inside. And it was Cedric Wilson and Dalton Schultz most of the game. Like That was my one Kellen Moore criticism where I think there's a lot of good about him. But that one was like, you knew the spots that could eat in this game and you didn't put your premier players there. I don't like that. The Cowboys roster year in and year out is far too good for you not to, like, 
on a regular basis abuse people. Right? Like, like, like truly, truly abuse people. And we see flashes of it. I think that's the frustrating part is that we'll see flashes of it. It's that they'll have a two or three game, you know, splash where they're just dominating the ball going all around the field. But like the good ones, the good OCs and the good quarterbacks, they know how to design plays to get their guys in position to get the matchup that they want. Unless it's just like star coverage or like, hey, Jalen Ramsey's gonna follow Amari Cooper everywhere he goes, or or you know Jalen Ramsey or, or whoever. But if he does, even if he does that as an OC, like what I would demand that you do is literally every play, the dude that he is shadowing, like he's gonna be in motion at the Maybe snap of the ball. That's like I'm gonna run you through traffic. You're that's gonna you're gonna have hell. And not and, and you gotta like at the end of the day, that's going to win out, right? Like that's gonna win out because he's gonna get clipped. He's going to get something. Something's going to happen. He's going to get bumped off. They're going to do something. I'm going to motion my guy from the outside to the left in between the slot and the tight end on the left, and then I'm going to run him across the field with two picks. Like, good luck. If you think you can run star coverage, you're going to be chasing my guy around, and it's going to be insane. And teams do that to us. That's the part that's even more frustrating. Teams do it to us. It happens to us every single week that teams say, we're going to we're gonna try to find the best matchups and give our guys the best you know opportunity to succeed. Yet and still, we're, we'll, we'll go, oh, yeah, we have a matchup here, but we're not going to go over there. We're going to go over here. You know, I'm just like, wait, what? Why, why are we doing that? Like, what, what are we doing this for? Oh, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're going to do that. Oh, you know, there's nine guys in the box, but we're still going to run it because we just – we because my teaching and training said that I have to run it right here. Why? Yeah. Uh, Vance in the super chat, he said, is the issue Kellen Moore or Kellen Moore not being allowed to call the plays with the personnel he desires? That's one thing I don't buy. Like Jerry and Steven meet with the coaches each week. Like they're in that room where everybody gets together. So like their voices are heard and they have influence in their organization. But you actually, you'll never convince me that a head coach or an offensive coordinator is being told by Jerry Jones, like, here's the thing. You're going to play two tight ends and you're going to run the ball up the middle. Because as a head coach, I'd be like, well, we're going to get fired if we lose, and that is going to lose. So um, I'm a coach. Like, I don't think Kellen is being neutered by anyone. I think Kellen is the offensive coordinator, and he's doing his job. Yes, I agree 100%. They, they didn't keep Kellen Moore on here to tell him what to do. They kept Kellen Moore here because they want him to do what he, what he did. Whatever, whatever that is that he's supposed to be doing, they kept him here for that reason. Well, uh, I found out about a half hour ago. I already knew I was going to be at camp, but I thought I might have to be watching from the other side of the fence. But it turns out that your boy got credentialed, so I'll be right there on the sideline bothering people, smacking Broadus on the butt as I walk by, sticking my finger in Todd Archer's ear as I walk by, just messing with people. Uh, what else, as we are five days away, are you thinking about or looking forward to? You got your bucket hat? Ooh, I Ooh, I have to look around. If not, I'll get one. Got to have one. That, that's your staple, man. Hold you, on. No bucket hat at camp is like, I don't know, like a fish out of water. You got to have the bucket hat. Where the hell are my bucket hats? I found a Gilligan one. I found like an outdoor mowing the lawn as a 50-year-old white guy hat, bucket hat. But that's not a real bucket hat. No, you look like Vach right there, though, with that with a one. That's, that's, like that's like I'm floating the river hat. I'm trying not to get sunburned bucket hat. I don't know where my bucket hats are. I'll have to look around. What are you looking forward to heading into camp? This is what this is what your like what's this like your 10th camp? 
Uh, I was a fan 11 and a half years, but I would say I didn't start going to camp until like probably four years into that. So probably like my seventh or eighth camp, something like that. So what do you, what do you look forward to heading into camp year seven for you heading out to Oxnard? Uh, I think for me, it's always the, let me phrase the question. What is like, what is your, about to say, what is your package? You're like, wait a second, hold on. Like, but what is your breakdown? Like, okay. Like, all right, Jeff Cavanaugh, I'm in Oxnard. The first thing I'm going to do is this. And then when I get to practice, I want to see that. Like, what is your routine when you get to Oxnard? Uh, I just figure out which field I think they're going to do their 11 on 11 practice on. And then I figure out on that day, do I care more to be on this end or this end where it's going to be before they do it, O-line versus D-line? Or do I want to watch wide receivers versus DBs, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, you're right, Booty Nasty. That's a mad Paul. I shouldn't have said that. Huh? No, I said Booty Nasty. I said Paul. You're right, Booty Nasty. That's a major yeah. Um, and now this, and then this year it's interesting because I want to watch both. So I'll probably just have to split the difference and start doing this. Uh, but the first thing I'll be watching is the offensive line. Cause if Tyler Smith isn't a good left guard, if Tyler Biotish isn't a capable center, and if Terrence Steele isn't a capable right tackle, your team is in trouble. Like the wide receiver depth bothers me. I can't believe they're going into a season the way that they are. Uh, but they're going to do it. Maybe. Uh, but the offensive line, I mean, they got the Cowboys just didn't like Amari Cooper and Lyle Collins. Now, this is, I'm not, I guess, I'm not reporting this. I'm giving you my opinion on why I think those guys aren't here. I think Jerry Jones was out on Amari Cooper as soon as he wasn't vaccinated. He was out. I, agree. I, I think they were out on Lyle Collins after they felt like he didn't have a surgery that he should have had because of the COVID uncertainty and that costing him games. And then there was the P thing and the quote bribing or whatever suspension. Yeah, and that, I think that, Joneses, that, was, that was it. That, that was the straw that broke the camel's back right there. And I think at that point, the Joneses were out on Lyle Collins. So when the season ended, they got rid of two good NFL players that they didn't have to. They could afford them both right now uh, if they extended Dalton Schultz instead of tagging him. Uh, they could have all those guys on the team. They chose not to because they didn't like them. And now... Because of that, you're going to go into a season where those are going to be the two things that matter the most. Is the two guys you didn't like that you ran because you don't like, uh, those are now your biggest holes. The replacement for Amari Cooper is... That's Amari's replacement. Because uh, like CD can be the number one, that's fine. But you have three receivers on the field. The one who is gone now is being replaced by a third-round draft pick or James Washington, a journeyman, vet minimum guy. And then I hope Terrence Steele's good. I hope he's good. This will make a break. That's why we watch it. Like, Tyler Smith at left guard, Terrence Steele, those are probably the things that I'm most interested in is seeing. Is this offensive line going to be good enough for them to be good? And can they survive with the receivers they got until Gallup gets back? Yeah, that, that that is a that's it. That, that wide receiver is a because you're really like a hammy, an ankle sprained knee away from struggling at that wide receiver position. Because oh, you, yeah. I mean, think about just think about the offseason. James Washington hadn't even really worked with Dak yet. He's been in a boot and he's had and Jalen Tolbert missed the OTAs because he had a hammy. Like before we've even gotten to camp, you you've gotten to see what it might look like. It might be CD lamb, Noah Brown and TJ Vasher. That might be your wide receiver core. 
Yeah. That's scary. That's thankfully they play in the NFC East. So is there who one player, just one player, one player on this entire roster that you think has the most pressure on them heading into this season? Am I allowed to say it? it's always Dak? If, if I'm allowed to, it's always yeah, Dak. I mean, all right, that's easy answer, right? That's um, easy. Other than Dak, I would say it's not his fault, but Terrence Steele's towards the top of that list. Uh, Why is it not his fault? Because he didn't get rid of Lyle Collins. Like he, he all he's well. doing, all he's doing is he playing football. Played, he played well enough to give them the thought process of we can do life without Lyle Collins because of Terrence Steele. Yeah. Uh, part of me wants to say Trayvon Diggs because I feel like he's so polarizing and the 11 interceptions, like you can think whatever you want about him if you have any negative thoughts about Trayvon Diggs, but for at least one year, if you 11 times after a play, like they had the ball and now we have the ball and it was because of you 11 times. Right. Um, you had one of the best cornerback seasons in the league. I don't care what else happened. You gave me the ball 11 times, you monster. Or 14. Was it 14? No, it wasn't 14. It was 11. Um, but he's he's also a pretty good cover guy. Like, he's aggressive. He's a guesser a little bit, and he'll get beat. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pressure on Trayvon Diggs because now it's like everybody knows that – numbers because all of a sudden we care about how many yards you give up as a corner which hadn't really been a stat until Trayvon Diggs and then pro football folks like he gave up so many yards and next gen stats like no he gave up 400 less than that uh so to just show that he is a really really good corner and not just a dude that caught some balls uh I think he's towards the top yeah Trayvon Trayvon and and I I left this out because I did say player I should have said player and or coach that might have gave you a different perspective. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, there ain't, there's nothing Mike McCarthy can do about this. There's nothing to do no, about no. it. There's nothing to no, do about it. You, if you don't win the Super Bowl, and Sean Payton tells Jerry he wants to coach the Cowboys, he's gonna coach the Cowboys. Although I will add this in about that because Jerry, since Jimmy, I guess technically he gave up control to Parcells for a minute so he could get a new stadium, but like, I don't, I don't know that he'll do that. And Sean Payton, ain't come, Sean Payton ain't coming here if he doesn't control personnel. He ain't doing it. I think Jerry's getting desperate. Yeah. I think I think Jerry's looking around and not to be morbid, but you're starting to see a lot of people dying around you. Oh, yeah, um, his friends. Yeah. His friends, people that, you know, yeah. that you came up into this league with. And, you know, he's no fool. Like, he understands that he's closer to the grave than he is in his youth. I think I think Jerry is getting into that desperate mode of Sean Payton is really my last hurrah. Like if if this doesn't work, my this next coach is truly my last hurrah. Either like I'm gonna I don't want to say this like I'm gonna die or I have to turn the reins over fully to someone else because clearly this isn't working. Like this isn't that we're. Because if, if you do Sean Payton, you're thinking another four years, that'll take us somewhere along the line of 30 years of ineptitude and, and, and lack of playoff success. So it's either grave or I got to go ahead and say, I ain't got it. 
I ain't got it, and I got to give it to Steven or to whoever or Charlotte, whoever, to run this thing. So I think he's getting desperate, and I think at this point in time, it's it's whatever will will, and and, and it may not last the entire time. It may be like you know the first two years, you know, it's like, hey, Sean, you got it, you know, and if it, if it's working out fine, if it's not, then it's like, all right, I'll jump back in this thing and try to save the ship and and, and do what I do. But he know he knows what what it's going to take to get to get Sean here. He know that that control has to get let up but he also know that that's literally probably pro- most likely his last chance this is that would be his last hurrah there will be no other coach that i can see leaving their situation the mcveighs or the shanahan's of the world that are leaving their situation to come join your situation that gives you an opportunity to kind of say these guys are established these guys have skins in the wall they are that new guard of, of young coaches not the old guard of the Andy Reeds and such like that, but those young, young, young coaches to come and to, and to, to run your franchise. So we'll see. And my answer, my answer was going to be Trayvon Diggs, but, but a part of me is, I think it's a ton of pressure again um, on Dan Quinn. Like there, there's going to be a ton of pressure on Dan Quinn to duplicate what you did a year ago. And I know a lot of people make the, you know, the I argument. mean, a lot of what he did a year ago was Trayvon Diggs intercepting 11 passes. Right. Absolutely. Trayvon Diggs intercepting a lot of passes, COVID injuries and suspensions. You find out that, that Micah Parsons is actually a damn good pass rusher. Holy moly, guacamole. And we're going to just rush him off the, you know, off the edge more often. Um, and that's going to be the thing because 11 interceptions, that, that, that's, that's far-fetched to me. Five or six is all pro. Like if you get five or six, interception for the next five or six years, you might get a yellow jacket at some point in time in that, you know, in that, in, in that, in that, in that space. Um, but I think Dan Quinn has a really big responsibility. You got J Ron curse to play outside of his mind last year. That's a journeyman who kind of found his spot here. Malik hooker is coming around Trayvon. I mean, you got a lot of guys who play above what they actually were playing. So can he duplicate that? And, and, you know, I'm not the biggest, you know, if Mike McCarthy goes higher Dan Quinn type thing because we, I just don't look past the last four or five years in Atlanta like it didn't happen. I, I still look at I look at those things and I go, you were you you were in a Super Bowl and you couldn't win it for whatever reason. I even went on an office coordinator, whatever you want to be, but you didn't stop Tom Brady either. <laughs> you didn't stop him either. You didn't stop him either. Like, they, you know what I'm saying? You up 23 28-3. He had to score more than 28 points to beat you. So <laughs> you can say whatever you want about the offense, and that's rightfully so. But there was your as a defensive guy, you did not stop him either. So um th- that's an interesting thing. So I think Dan Quinn is a guy who has a really big, a lot of pressure on him coming back this year. Mike in the super chat said the scary thing on the O-line for me is the coach. Can he develop players or do they have to work with Duke to get better? Uh, and I will just tell you in talking to the people that I know that I feel like know a lot of stuff about the NFL and offensive line and knowing coaches and guys who develop people in the off season and all that. There are a lot of people that think that Joe Philbin's not a very good, of, uh, developer of offensive linemen. And so you should be happy as a Cowboys fan that you're seeing a bunch of videos of, uh, your first round pick Tyler Smith working with Duke Mannyweather. And let's, 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 let's be very clear about this as well. When you talk about developing, like we're in a day and age now where a lot of these coaches, they don't do much developing. Well, you don't have much time. 
and so so like when you see the Dukes and you see guys go to the to the to the Robs or you see guys go yeah. to their passing camps, all that kind of stuff. If players like, care, they better be there because that's where you got time to work on stuff. stuff. Like you're you're like like to say a coach is developing guys, they don't like 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 they they they. There are some things that they can do, but overall, those guys get developed on what they do outside of football, outside of the building. That's where we're at in football. The football world now is you you get better and you get developed by going and sharpening your iron against some other guys who got really sharp iron. Yeah, That's it's like the uh, yeah, it's because um, like in the new CBA, like. I, being at camp all these different years, like I know what a regular practice is going to look like. And a regular practice does not have time for your D line coach and pick a defensive end. Like they don't have 10 minutes right. to be me and you working on whatever. It's like your position group is going to go through what we're going to do today. We're going to do these where we do these drills and we're like, and we're working fundamental periods but it ain't like you really got a bunch of one-on-one -on -one time to work with players. We're on to the next thing. We're on to the next thing. And we're game planning. We're getting ready for week two. We like we're not working on your backpedal. We're getting ready for week two. That horn is blowing. You you get <laughs> you get seven minutes of individual, you get seven minutes, of, you know, with you know, offense, you know, offense, defense, whatever. That thing is going. You you don't have time to be like, especially with one guy, you don't have time that there's no time. You'll get some work after practice, you know, maybe. But even still, coach work with you a little bit, and then he has to go back in there and get ready to break down film in their meeting to get ready to have film session when you guys get out the shower and finish eating. So it's all it, it's all there's not much developing that coaches do um per se. So you say Philbin developed these guys. No, you have to go like the the Duke, the Dukes of the world, that like he is he is legit. Well, he's legit. That's let me say that. But he is necessary because he has the time to spend all year long breaking down your film, watching your technique, understanding who you're going against, understanding your deficiencies. And then when the offseason comes, he has the time to work with you in those areas to strengthen those things. Philbin ain't out there working, don't have the machines and all that kind of stuff. He's gonna give you, you know, he's gonna give you this. He ain't doing all that. It ain't that ain't happening. He ain't putting on the clinics. So it's imperative that those guys find people like that that are able to say hey and it's more so in that like offense and defense of line it's more is so important because those things hand placement right balance leverage technique is so necessary when you're dealing in those tight quarters opposed to when you're outside in this more of a skill position where even some of those things are, are more loose and their development and their growth than it is when you're talking about interior stuff. So that's just my little two cents on developing players from coaches. Vance says, Jesse's saying even if we had Bill Callahan as the O-line coach, nothing would change much. Now, I have you know that is running game Moses now. That is running game Moses. I believe that's the broadest coin to that term. That is the running game Moses. You give me Bill Callahan, I promise my offensive line will be better. promise you that. But, 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 but see, but, 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 but what Bill Callahan does is, he just runs to the strength of his offensive line. He's saying, hey, if if we're not a really good reach team or we're not a really good man-blocking team, then damn it, we're going to zone this thing. We're going 
We're going to be elephants on parade. And I'm just going to take five fat guys and just run you right or run you left and let the, let the, let the, the running back be patient, find the hole, see it, you know, slow too fast through and get through that thing. I think that's the thing about Bill Callahan. It's not like he's – Bill Callahan is not going to sit here and say, hey, we're not a really good run, you know, zone or we're not a really good man or whatever counter, whatever it is. He's going to look at that and go – what are our strengths? What are the guys that we have on this offensive line? Okay, then I'm going to put together the, the, the collection of running plays that absolutely best fit this group. And I'm not going to have them doing things outside of their wheelhouse. That, that's the, that, you want to talk about coaching? That is the essence of what makes Bill Belichick so, well, so good. Because he says, I am not going to make you do things that I know you can't do well. I'm going to mold this thing that that the players that I'm putting on the field, they're going to do the best thing that they do. If you're a third down rusher, guess what you're going to do on third downs for Bill Belichick. Yeah, and if you're if you're look if you're a coach and that's not what you do, you suck. There's a like, lot, and there's and, and the history of the NFL is a lot of dudes that is this is my scheme, this is what we do. And it's like, well, wait, but you got that dude, that dude, that, dude, and they can't do that. And it's like, well, then they uh, screw them because this is what we do, right? Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's a lot of them that do that. Yeah. It's almost camp time, Jesse. Camp time. Camp time. Camp time. You good? I'm great. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Believe in the Cowboys, whether you believe in the Cowboys or not. Um, thanks to our guys at Bet Online for yes. presenting this to you. And remember. Oh, no, wait. I got to do my first. Then you do yours. Okay. Yeah, so you got to say, Jesse, you got anything to say before we go? Jesse, you got anything you want to say before we go? Yeah, eliminate the contingencies. I love you. Also, remember that you have no idea what anybody's going through, so be cool to everybody. I love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.